Hey everyone, it's Scott here. Just before we get to this great episode, I want to extend a special offer to you as a Meet Me in the Kitchen listener. Little Kitchen Academy wants every child to experience what changing lives from scratch really means. So as a special gift to our listeners, you can currently save $25 off enrollment at any Little Kitchen Academy location. Just use the code in the kitchen at checkout and you'll instantly save $25 off enrollment at any LKA location. Again, the promo code to use is in the kitchen. It will only be available for a limited time, so be sure to enroll your child today. I feel like everything that I do, I just want to bring out the best in people and encourage people to be the best version of themselves. And I hope that's what they see. I hope they see someone that has lots of crazy passions and things that they want to pursue and just runs with it and gives it everything they've got and go, hey, maybe I can do that too. Maybe even if that career doesn't exist right now, it might exist in the near future because we live in this wonderful world that's constantly changing and anything is possible. That's what I hope they see. A good kitchen produces good food, but a great kitchen brings people together. Welcome to Meet Me in the Kitchen, a podcast inspired by Little Kitchen Academy and supported by Birkenstock, exploring the key ingredients to a meaningful life and how they are changing lives from scratch. Here's my dad and your host, Scott Rintoul. I've always had great admiration for people who have the self-confidence to create a unique vocation. The people who refuse to abide by the constraints of their current job options take matters into their own hands and craft a new role that becomes a viable career. Now don't get me wrong, there are plenty of existing careers that bring happiness and fulfillment to millions of people, and that's fantastic if a role that already exists works for you. I've just always been a fan of those innovators who've taken a chance on themselves and as a result, created a new path for others to follow. Stacey Roy has certainly done that. Her decision to turn a rough night at work into her own show on YouTube has led to numerous opportunities, not the least of which was competing in and winning season three of the hit program, Lego Masters. As a result, Stacey has found herself in a number of places she never expected to be in including Little Kitchen Academy. Stacy recently collaborated with LKA in both Vancouver and Los Angeles, bringing her passions for Lego and cooking into those environments and this one, as she agreed to meet me in the kitchen for a conversation about bricks, bartending, and betting on yourself. Your story is very layered and there are so many directions we can go, but let's start with where you are right now. It's a very obvious question, but one I want the answer to. How does one become a Lego Masters champion? What does that entire process look like? It's a lot, but I think the most important thing is that you got to be building with Lego a ton and always working on that creativity and that storytelling and bringing your Lego creations to life. And then anyone can apply to be on Lego Masters. So if it's something that you're passionate about, apply. Give it everything you've got because you never know where it's going to take you. And that's exactly what I did. I applied to be on Lego Masters with my partner on the show, Brick and Nick, and we made it on and we had the best time ever getting to build with Lego for seven weeks straight and doing all of these fun, wacky competitions. And it was the best thing ever. 
So what's the backstory to all of that? How did your infatuation, if you want to call it that, with Lego begin? And how did that manifest itself in recent years to the opportunity that became Lego Masters Season 3? I always loved building with Lego. I remember building Lego when I was a little kid with my dad. We'd build these giant Lego towers, and then I always got to be the one that got to knock them over after we took a photo, of course, to show that the Lego tower was definitely taller than I was at the time. And I just loved it. I loved playing with blocks and bricks. And as I got older, I kind of started to get back into it. And I was doing a lot of live streaming at the time for Amazon and Twitch, and I was building my Millennium Falcon set. I know a lot of people are just listening, not watching, but it's behind me right here. And I didn't want to stop building. So I decided to live stream it one day. I was on Amazon. I was like, I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. And people loved it. It reminded them of their childhood. And when they grew up building with Lego and it just kind of took off from there. I just kept building Lego on stream. And then that's how Brick and Nick, who's also a Lego streamer, reached out to me to be on the show. Were you surprised at how much traction simply building Lego on Twitch for people to watch got? Oh, absolutely. Especially because Twitch is predominantly a video game platform, but I was always pushing the boundaries. I know it was supposed to be about video games and I did a lot of that on Twitch as well, but I was like, oh, let's try cooking. Let's try bartending. Let's try doing a Dungeons and Dragons show. And then it was like, let's do Lego. And people loved it. Again, I think because we all have memories in some way of building with Lego when we were a kid, whether it was just a big box of bricks that were passed down to us from like a neighbor or friend or family member, Everyone at some point has probably built with Lego. So there's me building Lego with my kids in our basement. There's you putting together a Millennium Falcon or whatever creation you're working on on Twitch. And then there's actually being on a television show and being issued a challenge. What is that experience like? Oh, there's a lot more pressure when you're on a TV show building Lego. Let me tell you, it's a lot more relaxed. I, I always joke that, you know, a lot of adults have gotten into those adult coloring books. And I'm like, oh, don't do those adult coloring books. I'm like, just get yourself a Lego set. That's way more relaxing. That's like meditation for me. But when you're on a show and you've got a whole bunch of cameras in your face and you've got Will Arnett constantly reminding you about the giant red clock that is ticking down, it adds a lot of pressure. It is a completely different experience. And I know it sounds like you have a lot of time to build something, whether that's like 12 hours or 16 hours or 24 hours. It goes by so quickly and you always wish that you had more time to build. Always, I'm sure. And that's like with every type of creative process that you go through, what is the winning build that you and Nick came up with to get that beautiful Lego trophy, that Lego Masters Champion trophy that's behind you, as I can see right now? So our finale build is my favorite build that we did the entire season. I love it. We built a life-size bookshelf full of memories from our childhood. We had a working TV on top that was like playing a video game of a ballerina fighting a dinosaur. And we also incorporated all of the builds that we had done leading up to this point. So that was the 13th episode. This was our 13th build. And we found ways to add elements of those. And again, just all of the memories of our childhood. So we had so much fun building it because we were just talking nonstop and we could have just kept going. Had they given us more than 24 hours, we probably would have built like a whole bedroom <laughs> full of toys and just everything being life-size. And it was amazing. And you can actually see our build too, if you go to Legoland New York. That's awesome that it's still on display. And we don't need to go through every single episode of season three that ultimately resulted in you being crowned a champion. But was there a point where you thought, 
you know what? We might actually do this. Was there frustration? What's that up and down process like? So we had a lot of up and downs. Episode one, we started off so strong. We placed second on the very first episode. And we're like, all right. I had that feeling. I was like, maybe we can do this. Maybe we can go the distance. But then we were in the bottom two four times in a row, which is the first time I think that has ever happened. And Lego Masters is all around the world. I think there's 17 different countries that have their own version of Lego Masters and never have they seen a team be in the bottom that many times. But perseverance was key. And we just never gave up. And we just kept on going and just like kept building our hearts out and recognizing that we had this opportunity to build with more Lego than we had ever seen in our lives and just give it everything that we've got. And I think it was probably near like the semifinals. We won three in a row. Oh, then all of a sudden we did a team building challenge, which was the race car challenge. And we won that with the brothers on the show. And then there was a water fountain challenge and we won that. And then when we got to the finale, I was like, let's just have fun. I was like, this is the last episode. This is a dream come true. Let's just build our hearts out and have a lot of fun with it. And that's, I think, when it really kicked in that I was like, maybe we could do this. Maybe we could win it. Well, that's perfect because that's what Lego is supposed to be. That's what the creative process itself is supposed to be. It's supposed to be fun and it's a lot of fun when you win on top of that. You get handed that big trophy behind you by another Canadian. You mentioned him. Will Arnett hands you that trophy. Is that like the Stanley Cup? Like how heavy is that trophy behind you? What's it like picking that up? It is surprisingly heavy. You don't think Lego weighs that much until you stack a lot of bricks and then you're like, oh, this thing's got some weight to it. But yeah, it was incredible. We had our families there as well. And the other two teams that were in the top with us were also Canadian. That's awesome. And this is the first time I think they had ever had Canadians on the show. So I think we really showed that Canada has some fantastic builders. Of course, and the champions and waving the flag right now as we talk about it. When you were building those towers as a child, this isn't where you thought you'd end up with Lego. And I don't imagine when you started on the show, you thought you'd end up in Little Kitchen Academy because of Lego. So how did Little Kitchen Academy make its way into the life of Stacy Roy? <laughs> So I work a lot with Nick and Jamie, who I know you've had on the podcast before, and they do a lot of filming for Little Kitchen Academy. And they brought it up. They were like, hey, what do you think about doing some sort of collaboration? And for me, that was just such an immediate yes. The best part about winning Lego Masters is that I'm getting to meet the families and the people that love this show and love creativity. And so for me, I was like being able to do a collaboration with Little Kitchen just sounded perfect and right up my alley. And I was just I was so excited to do it. I'm trying to take as many opportunities as I can to just meet more and more people that want to share in this wonderful creative journey. And I want to talk about that journey over the course of this conversation. But while we're on the topic of Little Kitchen Academy and your involvement, West Point Gray in Vancouver, you do an appearance there. Westfield Century City in Los Angeles. Very few adults get to experience what a class is like at Little Kitchen Academy. How would you describe what you witnessed during those classes? It's amazing. I wish I had something like this as a kid growing up. It's so fun and it's so exciting to watch these kids, you know, have their gears turning and working through the process of making a dish, but also letting their imaginations run wild and get really creative with it. They just make such a wonderful, beautiful space for children to explore that. And they don't hold them back by any means. They just encourage them to cook and just put a lot of passion and playfulness into the whole experience. And it's fantastic. And I got to say what they make 
is amazing. I don't even know how they're doing it. I've done over 500 episodes of Cooking with Stacy, and I think these kids are better cooks than I am. I'm glad you brought that up because you did do 500 plus episodes of the show Cooking with Stacy. You're very comfortable in the kitchen, obviously. How did you personally get started with cooking? So that was a little bit of a journey. Again, I always like to try to push the limits when it came to Twitch, which was a video game platform. So one morning I decided I wanted to cook myself breakfast. And at this point, I pretty much knew how to open up a can of soup and heat it up. That was like the extent of my cooking. So I was like, I'm going to do a full on breakfast and I'm going to live stream it to hundreds of people. This is a great idea. So yeah, threw the butter in the nonstick pan, cooked up bacon in the nonstick pan. Yeah, with a whole bunch of butter because, you know, didn't want it to stick. And just people loved it. So it was so much fun. And I loved getting to do it and having them help me. And it just, it started the whole thing. And it was great. So I I just knew I was onto something. And I was like, I got to keep doing cooking shows. And I also was like, as an adult, I got to learn how to cook something. (laughs) I can't just rely on takeout. And at the time, there wasn't Uber Eats. (laughs) So here's what I want to know now. How would a cooking with Stacy class differ from a class at Little Kitchen Academy? I think with cooking with Stacy, probably a lot more spills and a lot more accidents. I think they make a much more safe environment at Little Kitchen Academy. But I feel like they would still be like quite similar. Again, just letting the kids be playful and ask lots of questions. There are no bad questions. Like just, you know, really letting them explore and learn and taste and sample things. That's exactly what I do when I'm cooking. I'm constantly like, let me try this. What is this like? And I see them doing that too. The kids are sneaking little bites and stuff because they're learning about food and they're learning about flavors and how to combine them. So I think there's a lot of similarities. So basically, I just, I think I cook like a kid and Little Kitchen Academy encourages that. Well, that's not a bad thing. And people who follow the Little Kitchen Academy social accounts are going to get to see some of those videos from Point Grey in Vancouver and from Century City in LA in the very near future. I'm wondering, because I haven't seen the videos myself, like, is Will Arnett stopping by? Are we going to get him and his family in there? Do we have any teasers we can throw in there for us, Stacey? Maybe. I mean, I love when Will Arnett stops by. Like, when I was building Lego, he always just reminds you that you're building with Lego at the end of the day. So even if it gets a little bit stressful, he's like, it's Lego. It's fun. So maybe there's going to be a little stop by. Who knows? Have to wait and see. How much does that help when you're on set in a pressure-packed environment like that? And you've been a host of shows yourself. To have somebody take that pressure off, remind you that it's fun, remind you that at the end of the day, it's just television as pressure-filled as it seems at that opportunity. It means everything. It really was. It was so nice to just have that break and have that reminder. And it's so true. We're not doing brain surgery here. We're building with Lego or in, you know, the case of Little Kitchen Academy, we're cooking with food and exploring flavors. And it's just important to remind yourself that it's fun. It's really, really fun. So just enjoy it. And yeah, I loved it every time Will stopped by. So Still with the journey of cooking, before we get back to your journey throughout the television and YouTube and Twitch world, let's talk about where you're at now with cooking. You've done over 500 episodes. Do you consider yourself a good cook now? I I think I'm pretty good. <laughs> I am not a chef by any means. I still have so much to learn, which is the best thing. I love that I constantly keep exploring and then it just keeps expanding. And I'm like, there's so much to learn. It's never ending. But I have made so many different dishes at this point and I love it. And I think I've got a pretty good taste for food now. And I know if something's working or it's not, or at least how to adjust it. 
All right, with cooking in mind and your kitchen specifically in mind, this is the question every single person who comes on this podcast gets asked, so I'm going to ask it of you now. Stacy, what is the one ingredient that is always in your kitchen and why? Okay, so two things came to mind. <laughs> And that's salt and lemons. Okay, so here we are. I don't know if salt counts as an ingredient, but I am such a salt fiend. I literally have a salt shaker on my bedside table, you know, for those late night emergencies. So I love salt. As far as lemons go, I always start my morning ritual with a lemon water. I love making lemon potatoes. And I don't know what kind of nerdy bartender I would be if I didn't always have citrus on hand. So definitely salt and lemons. But what I think is most important in the kitchen is probably playfulness. Food should be fun. It should be creative. It should be imaginative. So just allowing yourself to play, I think is the best thing that you need to have in the kitchen. I agree. And that's certainly part of the philosophy at Little Kitchen Academy. So I'm glad that you saw that when you had that rare opportunity to be there with the students. I mentioned your on-screen journey. Let's talk about it. You go from YouTube to Twitch to TV, now network television as well. How did you navigate that path from those early days of creating your own programming to where you now find yourself today? Yeah. So in the beginning, I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> I was definitely flying by the seat of my pants. I just knew what I was passionate about and I was just ready to go on that journey and see where it takes me. So just every step along the way, I just gave it everything that I could. And I really had no idea in the beginning that a YouTube show would turn into a television show. But the timing and the luck of it all was just perfect. And there was a network that was starting up that was the BrewDog Network, which later on turned into Drink TV. And they were looking for drink theme content. And I had this show in my back pocket, which was the nerdy bartender. And I had so much experience doing that on YouTube and Twitch and being able to take it to the next level was amazing. And it was a huge, huge step in my career. And then it just led to so many great things like cooking with Stacy. And then because of cooking with Stacy, that's how I met Nick, which then led to being on Lego Masters. And yeah, I'm just making it up as I go, probably like everybody is. And I'm just doing my best to give it everything I've got and make the most of it. Well, there are a lot of elements to that. And you mentioned luck, but that's only a small part of the equation. You have to be ready to seize those opportunities when they present themselves. It started with what you referenced, the nerdy bartender. Was that a show that you created or was it born out of something authentic? Where did that idea come from? Okay, so <laughs> let me tell you this story. So basically, I was bartending at the time at this dive bar in Vancouver, and I had a particularly really bad shift, and it was awful. I got thrown up on, I got groped, like it was just the worst. And I sat down at the bar, and I said to the bartender, I was like, can you just please make me something delicious? And I used to work at a very upscale bar prior to that where you could just say, like, make me a drink. I want this, or I want this flavor, or something citrus for it, and they would just craft you the perfect cocktail. And what the bartender delivered me was absolutely awful, just adding to the horrendous night I had. So I had someone pick me up on the drive home. I ranted the entire way about how no one knows how to make a good cocktail and someone needs to teach the world this. And it would be even better if it could be nerdy. And that's how the nerdy bartender was born. <laughs> all on like a 30 minute drive home where I was in a mood and I decided to run with it after that. I was like, okay, well, I'll show the world how to make drinks and cocktails really, really fun. So that falls into this same category as writing a book or doing a podcast of your own, or in your case, creating your own show. You know this and I know it as well. There are a lot of people who say, 
oh, I could do this and it would be great. But very few people actually do that. Why are you someone who runs headfirst into that unknown and says, I will do those things. It doesn't matter what comes on the other side. I don't know. Maybe I'm a crazy person. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I just, I don't want to have any regrets in life. I think failure is a great thing. I would rather fail at something instead of like never trying at all. The not knowing scares me more than failing. And so I really let that drive me. And I want to fail because when you fail, you learn, you grow. So anytime something scares me and I might want to back away, I just tell myself, I'm like, oh no, you need to run head first and you got to give it everything you've got because this is where growth happens. This is where you learn. And that's just something that's like always stuck with me ever since I was young. I think it served me well so far. And I would love to see that more with people too. It's like, don't be afraid of failing. It's not that bad. Even if you do fail, it's okay. You'll pick yourself back up and you'll learn and you'll grow and you'll continue on. So you have that willingness and you have that openness to a variety of opportunities. Your career trajectory proves that out. So how did your upbringing help instill that growth mindset in you? Or was there a pivotal moment that changed things for you along the way? Well, I'll just say I have the most amazing parents ever. They're wonderful. They've encouraged every dream that I've had. And I feel very fortunate and very grateful that I did have that upbringing. So again, I wasn't too scared going into anything. I always felt like I had my support system and people that would help me get back up if I fell. So I'm just really, really grateful for that. And then, yeah, there's just been probably lots of different times in my life where I just, I was able to show myself like, you can do this. Like, it's going to be okay. When did the acting bug bite you? Ooh, the acting. So I think I've always been a little bit of a performer ever since I was a little kid. I would put on like plays and shows with my cousins for my parents. And some of them now in hindsight, I'm like, we're really long. I remember with my cousin, we did like a whole Thanksgiving play and I'm pretty sure it was like two hours long. And <laughs> our parents were great sports about it, but it was definitely long. So I think I've just always loved performing. I did a lot of dance growing up as well. And then I think it was about, it was junior high. I had just moved to a brand new school and my mom was really encouraging me to audition for the school play. And I did, and I got one of the lead parts and I fell in love. I love being on stage. I love performing. I love tapping into a character and it took off from there. Well, and as we've talked about, you've taken on a lot of different roles in the acting world. You've hosted plenty of things. You've done what some would consider reality television. Now you've done a network television show. In terms of where you're happiest in all of those different roles, what's the sweet spot for you, Stacey? I think the sweet spot is I love being in front of the camera. I love connecting too with a community and online. So I love live shows. I've done so many live streams and I just like having that feedback be instantaneous and being able to connect with people from all around the world. That's my sweet spot. I love it. I adore it. That being said, more and more over the last year, I'm really getting interested in all of the things that happen behind the camera as well. So I'm very excited to see where that's going to take me. I think I want to do more directing in my future. And I just, I love storytelling. I want to be a part of the entire process. When you first got into this, was the goal be an actor, stay in that role and just get yourself in television and film. And that's how it's going to work itself out. 
Yeah, I think I definitely had this idea that I was going to be an actor. And so after film school, I started auditioning a lot. And then I realized I didn't have a lot of control in that. So I was like, okay, well, if no one's going to cast me in an action movie, I'm going to cast myself in an action movie. So I better learn how to edit and do visual effects and direct and learn about cameras and the whole works. And that's exactly what I did. So I could put myself in a position to take on the roles I really wanted to do, even if somebody didn't think I was the right fit for them. And then throughout that process, I just learned so much and saw so many different opportunities and ways I could take this career. What does your creative process look like? You told us how the nerdy bartender came about, but when you're dreaming up an idea for a short or for a show, what does it look like for you? So what I always try to remind myself is there are no bad ideas. There's just some ideas that are better than others. So I just try to write down everything. We did this on Lego Masters as well. When they would throw a challenge at us, Nick and I would grab the notepad and just be like, what ideas come to mind? And just write it all down. And then you can see what sticks, what really excites you, and then expand on that idea from there and really let it percolate and see what it could be. So who are your sounding boards throughout that process? Definitely think my Wabam community. I call them my Wabamers, my Wabam community. And that's this online community I've created because I've been a live streamer on Twitch and Amazon for so long. I've just built this beautiful community where I can tell them everything. I can share all my stories, all my dreams with, and they're my sounding board. I'll test things out with them. Even if it's jokes for an upcoming project or story ideas, I'll test it on them first and see what's working and what's not working. And I trust them fully. And I love their feedback. I have this amazing community that I can always count on. Where does the name word, whatever you want to refer to it as, Wabam come from? Okay. So many, many years ago, I used to always just say, well, bam, like if something excited me or I thought something was great, I'd be like, well, bam. And which is just a made up word. And then I realized other people around me started saying it. So especially back in my days when I was working as a server and a bartender, I'd hear people say it and I'm like, oh, that's my word. This word's catchy. I like it. And I just kind of expanded from there. So when it came to creating my own film production company, I was like, I should go with Wabam. It's an energetic expression of joy and positivity. And that's what I want my company to be all about. When I hear you say it, I just have that visual of a comic book where it's in big lightning bolt and bold colors above somebody's head. Wabam. Do you have any animation in your future? Exactly. That's exactly what I picture too. We have a few animated versions of Wabam, but I definitely think that we need more because that's how I see it. And like sometimes when I'm live streaming, I just give the biggest Wabam. Like I know it's, <laughs> I know it's a podcast. You can't see what I'm doing, but there's usually a lot of energy behind it. Some sort of like punching motion towards the camera. And yeah, we definitely need to do more animations for it for sure. I think the audience can hear how animated you are. I don't <laughs> think they need to be able to see it. I think that's the beauty of this podcast and your presentation style as well. What's interesting to me about the different roles you've taken on is that when you're acting, you assume the role of a character, as you talked about before. But when you're Stacey Roy, that is at least some interpretation of your authentic self. And those lines can get blurred, whether you're playing the character that everyone wants to see, Stacey Roy, or whether it's actually the authentic Stacey Roy herself. How do you approach that situation when you're representing yourself with your own name, but also assuming the role of some type of character? Ooh, that's a good question. I love getting to bring my authentic self to the table. And usually that's like an energy that's a bit dialed up for sure, but it's a part of me and it's who I am. 
And then when I look at a character, I just really try to find things that are true to myself within that character because that's so much easier to play than trying to be something that you're not. And that's why I really loved when I started to get into hosting because even when I was acting and auditioning, there were a lot of times that people kind of wanted to put me in a box and be like, this is who you should be or this is what you are and this is what you're not. And it felt very confusing, especially when I was so young, still trying to figure that out. And it definitely got to a point where I was then just playing these different characters and not knowing who I was. And then when I was given the opportunity to host something and they were like, just be yourself. And I did that and I found success in that. It was the best feeling in the world. So I think with everything I do, I just try to find the pieces of myself that are there and bring those to the character or the part that I'm doing. The way you describe that of being put in a box, I think a lot of people can relate to. And it's very understandable why that would be confusing, especially as you're starting out that process. As you said, you were quite young at the time. Was there a particular influence or someone you looked up to to emulate along the way that helped you carve out your own identity in this space? I think there was probably like a quite a few online people at the time, like YouTube was really just getting going. And I was seeing all of these quirky personalities that were finding success in that. I always take it back to, I remember I went out for an audition. It was for a chewing gum commercial. <laughs> And the role called for quirky and wacky and silly and energetic. And my agent said to me at the time, I know you're not those things, but I think you should go out for this audition anyway. And that was really like kind of weird and confusing to me because I was like, oh, I guess that's not who I am. I don't know. I feel like I'm a pretty quirky person. Anyway, I ended up booking it. <laughs> And that's when I was kind of like, okay, I got to stop letting people tell me who I am. And YouTube, again, was starting to become a thing. And I was just seeing all these great personalities, you know, and women that love video games and Star Wars and things that I wasn't used to hearing about. And that just really inspired me to be like, I should just be who I want to be and see what happens. Well, that's a great approach. And based on the role you have and the different platforms that you have, you have the opportunity to influence a lot of people, including kids. And to bring this back to our conversation about Little Kitchen Academy, some of those students that you were working with in the two locations, they're going to look you up on YouTube or Twitch or whatever platform you happen to be going on down the road. What do you want them to see when they watch Stacey Roy? I think I just want them to see that you can really be anything and do anything. Again, I keep bringing it back to I've cultivated this positive community online. I feel like everything that I do, I just want to bring out the best in people and encourage people to be the best version of themselves. And I hope that's what they see. I hope they see someone that has lots of crazy passions and things that they want to pursue and just runs with it and gives it everything they've got and go, hey, maybe I can do that too. Maybe even if that career doesn't exist right now, it might exist in the near future because we live in this wonderful world that's constantly changing and anything is possible. That's what I hope they see. Well, and that really feeds into the philosophy at Little Kitchen Academy where they believe they have the key ingredients to help people become and children become independent thinkers and independent people. Obviously, you witnessed some of that when you were in the classroom in both Vancouver and Los Angeles. Where did your sense of independence come from? You mentioned your parents earlier. Did you find yourself in that sense earlier or did it take a long time? 
I think it took a little while. Like, I think I was definitely a confident child growing up. And, you know, we all have our ups and downs through our teenage years, of course. Yeah, I think it took probably a little bit longer than I would have liked in my early 20s to really like find myself and figure that out. But I always had people encouraging me along the way, which just it meant everything and just having that support system. And you can really see that with the kids in the classes like they're so encouraged to just think for themselves to have fun and to really figure out who they are and I just I love that I think it's so great and I'm so glad that I get to be a part of it well and as you mentioned earlier this is just one of the unique opportunities that has presented itself as a result of winning Lego Masters the most recent accomplishment in your lengthy portfolio what is the most unique opportunity that you've had and had your head spinning a little bit when it was presented to you Okay, so I think the best opportunity I've had so far is I've always wanted to go to San Diego Comic-Con. That has been a dream of mine, especially being like a nerdy gamer. I've been to so many conventions over the last 10 years, but I've never gotten tickets to San Diego Comic-Con and I've always wanted to go. But not only that, I got to host a panel at San Diego Comic-Con. And I was so excited. I was over the moon at the opportunity and it was the best experience I've ever had. I met so many families, so many kids and fans of the show. And then when I was going to my panel, I remember there's this giant lineup of people and I'm walking and this lineup is so long down the hallway. And a lot of people were kind of looking at me. And then I was like, what is this lineup for? And they were like, for your panel. And I was blown away. I had no idea. I was just like, why are all these people in line? And it was such a cool experience to share stories along with other people that have worked on Lego Masters, like the executive producers and showrunner and, you know, Lego coordinators. And to just be able to share that with everybody and talk inside stories. It was amazing. And it was such a highlight of my career. Well, and as we've talked about, the opportunities as a result of winning LEGO Masters continue to present themselves. But as far as what else is on the horizon for you, do you have any aspirations in the near future? Or I guess before we even get to that, do you continue with LEGO Masters? Do you come back as defending champion? Is that it? Where do you go with LEGO? So as far as LEGO goes, I am a LEGO master now that I won the series. That being said, they have had some all-stars shows like Australia just did their first all-stars bringing back past winners and fan favorites. So that could be something that happens in the future. I really have no idea. But if they asked me to go back on LEGO masters and keep on building, I would absolutely say yes. That would be amazing. Other than that, though, I'm just I'm working on my next projects and figuring out where I can take everything thus far. Anything you can give us as far as a hint as to what those projects might encompass? So uh, little hints, uh, there's some directing in my future. There is a project that I'm very passionate about that I'm hoping to direct this fall. And I'm very excited about that. And I have a couple of things in the work that are Lego related. <laughs> That's fantastic. I imagine many of our listeners to this podcast will want to keep up with you. So where, Stacy, will they be able to find you and keep abreast of exactly what is going on in the not wacky, but wild world of Stacy Roy? Yeah. So you can find me on pretty much every platform at The Stacy Roy. So the, T-H-E, Stacey, S-T-A-C-E-Y, Roy, R-O-Y. I love posting on Instagram like my day-to-day -day and what's going on or fun things that I'm doing with Little Kitchen Academy. And then, of course, I've got Twitch and Amazon as well. What's your favorite platform? Oh, you can't ask me that. The other platforms are going to get jealous. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, I'm really loving Instagram these days because that's where I'm posting the most. But I think uh, Twitch is always going to hold a special place in my heart because that's where I really built my community. But they all pale in comparison to this opportunity on this podcast is where I wanted you to go. Exactly. Yes. Yes. This podcast is definitely my favorite. <laughs> Stacy, it's been a pleasure getting to know you a little bit better throughout the course of this conversation. I wish you continued success and thank you very much for making the time for us here on Meet Me in the Kitchen. Aw, thank you so much. I really enjoyed this and I hope we get to talk again soon. Meet Me in the Kitchen is curated and produced by Toolkit Content. You can find more information about Little Kitchen Academy, including classes, locations, employment, and franchise opportunities at littlekitchenacademy.com. What's the one ingredient that's always in your kitchen? 